0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All
1: right, well, here we are. Let's celebrate a little bit today. Hey, we're gonna celebrate God's design for marriage, and and when it comes to the topic of sex, this is a PG-13 message, as I uh, warned you about. So, parents, if you have kids here and you wanna You've been blushing and trying to get Junior to hold his ears quiet and all that stuff. You can move out to North Valley Kids Building uh, or Student Ministry. But the rest of you, gear up. It's going to be great. Hey, I heard a story about an 85-year-old woman the other day. Uh, She went out on a blind date. Listen to this. She went out on a blind date with a 92-year-old man. And she came home, and she was really frustrated, and her daughter said, Mom. What's wrong? What happened? And the mother said, Well, I had to slap him three times. And the daughter said, Did he try to get fresh with you? And she said, No, I thought he was dead. <laughs> hey, when it comes to this idea of sexual intimacy, God's word is not silent. Uh, the Bible talks about sex, and so we're going to look at what the God's designed for sexual intimacy. If you're a note taker, outline maker, here you go. Number one, sex was created by God and designed for our good and for His glory. It wasn't our idea, it was God's idea. And so, biblically, what you need to know is this concept of of sexual intimacy is really wrapped up in this phrase called becoming one. In the very beginning, the uh, in the Genesis account, when God created Adam and Eve, He said that the two shall become one. That idea is picked up in the New Testament and affirmed as well. The Apostle Paul tells us that it's a really it's a that oneness is a mystery and it's a picture of the gospel message. You're like, how is it a picture of the gospel message? Well, let's look what the passage says. In Genesis and in Ephesians, it says this, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become what? One. So the marriage isn't fulfilled, done, until there is a consummation between the two. the, the, The Apostle Paul adds in verse 32, he says, this mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So what's going on here? Intimacy within a Christian marriage mysteriously reveals a couple of things. If there's going to be sexual intimacy in a married relationship, there is a uh, a, a, a presumption that there is love, forgiveness, uh, there is safety, there is security. You know and I know when things are going well, those of you that are married, if there's going to be sexual intimacy, there's this foundation of love there's this foundation of forgiveness. You can't go into the marital bed with all sorts of conflict and think that everything's going to work out well. This oneness is the goal of marriage. It is not just a physical reality. It is a spiritual, emotional, relational oneness that we're going for. The Apostle Paul calls it a mystery. And what does it do? This in, in, the, in the, That mystery is, as we are pursuing oneness in a marital relationship, There is, we realize that we are reflecting God's love to the world around us. In a relationship with God, we can find the very same things that we can find in a relationship with our spouse. We can find things like love, forgiveness, respect, safety, security. In a relationship with God, there's an endless love. In a relationship with God, we find forgiveness. That's the same kind of relationship that we have with a marital spouse when we're living by God's design. So oneness really is a witness to the world around us, and it is for our good, and many of you would say amen, Uh, and it is for God's glory. Uh, The Scripture also tells us that we see in Scripture that God instructs the husband, we're going to realize, to delight in his wife. It brings, it's not only a picture of the gospel, but it shows that it brings pleasure to the marriage. Uh, When you have uh, an incredible uh, relationship with your spouse and there's intimacy and romance going on, it brings pleasure. And God's not afraid of that. The entire book of the Song of Songs in your Bible is dedicated to that. In fact, the Song of Songs was so erotic and controversial in the first century and in past that they, uh, they held Jewish boys and waited until they were 14 years old to read it. Uh, So there was PG-13 stuff back then, PG-14 stuff back then. And and that's in the Song of Songs. And uh, it's called Hebrew poetry. You can see that. But the Song of Songs is not simply an allegory, as many church uh, history uh, uh, teachers have communicated. It's actually a love story. It's not an allegory, a love story of a man and a woman. They meet, they date, they fall in love, they get married, they have sex, they fight, they kiss, they make up, and they grow old together. In the Proverbs, we read this exhortation. Uh, It says this, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always in her love. Years ago, I served as a chaplain for the Texas Rangers over in Surprise, and we were going through this love and marriage series. The guys asked for it. They said, will you uh, teach us? about uh, love and marriage, you know? And so I'm like, sure, I'll teach you about love and marriage. So I go to the Song of Songs, I go to the Proverbs, and I'll just have to say, it was some pretty hysterical moments when I had some of the big boys from the Texas Rangers reading some of this stuff. It was, they were cracking up, blushing themselves. So if you get a little uncomfortable today, that's, you're, you're human, but so as we look at this, what I want to do is I want to help you to realize that this idea that uh, sex is for also our pleasure is a biblical concept. Um, uh, you might think about it like this. If you were to build a fire in your home during the wintertime, you put it, the fire is in a what? A fireplace. And what does that do? It creates warmth. It creates, creates an atmosphere that you want to kick up your feet, relax, and it brings it brings a pretty cool environment. If you take that fire and you decide you want to take the wood, take the charcoal, take all the stuff and go put it in, 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 in the closet, what's going to happen? You're going to burn down the whole house. Sex was designed in the context of marriage. There's a certain framework which God designed it, and it brings all sorts of great blessings. It really warms up the marriage. It really strengthens the home. It got, if the married couple is happy, then the family's stronger. You see what I'm saying? So what we see is not only is it designed for pleasure, but it's also designed for protection. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses the church in Corinth. They are literally a, a community. They came from an incredibly licentious background. They come to know Jesus Christ. Many of them are walking out of crazy sexual past. It's the Jerry Springer Church. It's the naked and afraid community. It's the people that they're just kind of messed up. And the apostle Paul is going to address them. And there were some people that got saved in the church in Corinth and they thought they'd be uber spiritual and then just totally pendulum swing. And they say, one spouse would say, well, I'm going to follow the Lord and I'm going to be celibate. And the other spouse in the couple's like, what? You're going to be celibate? And the apostle Paul says, that's not a good idea. Look what he says in first Corinthians chapter seven, verse five. He says, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time and then that you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again, why? So that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Uh, I had a um, young married couple come to me, they're 18, 19 years old, should we get married? And uh, do you see, does this person reflect the pattern of scripture? Yes, they do. Okay, that's great. Are you gonna be able to financially provide? Yes. Then they say to me, but we're just burning for passion for one another. Bible tells us that if you're burning for passion, it's better that you get, get, get married. Go ahead and do it. What the Apostle Paul's warning here is, is that uh, there is, if you're going to deprive one another uh, from sexual intimacy within the marriage relationship, it needs to be a mutual agreement and it needs to be for a limited time. Why? Because temptation can happen. If there's not uh, intimacy in the marriage and then that person can walk outside of the marriage with a great level of struggle and temptation. So sexual intimacy protects the marriage from temptation, not only that, but it's also God's plan for procreation. This is just Adam and Eve, God calls them together and he says, I want you to, he blesses them and he says, go be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth according to Genesis. That creation mandate in Genesis literally is, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Let's look at that passage real quick, let's see if we've got it right here. So that creation mandate is also applied to the animals. But God doesn't forget it, and he applies it to mankind and says, you need to fill the earth. Many church historians have looked back on that passage and advocated that God's plan for sex is simply for procreation. I would argue the differ. I, I, I would say it's different. You look at uh, the idea of pleasure in the Song of Songs, you look at it in the rest of the uh, Hebrew poetry, and within the wisdom literature, you'll find... It's not only a picture of the gospel, it brings pleasure into the marriage where you use it for protection and for procreation. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite Leslie up to help me finish out this message. So will you guys give Leslie a big round of applause for joining me today on the stage? Okay, sweetie. So we've liked to say before that sexual intimacy in the marriage is like a thermometer, Yes, it kind of measures the health of the of the marriage. Yeah. So. um, And
0: it's hot up here. It is hot (laughs) up
1: here. So the thermometer tells us what's going on in your marriage. It's kind of it's not the sex is not the thermostat. You would you do that and adjust it to get to where you want what temperature you want. It's the thermometer. It measures kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But there are some challenges to sexual intimacy, and some. If there's not sex going on in the marriage relationship, we've said that there's some, there's some obvious common challenges that everybody faces. Yeah. So let's talk about those. The first ones, I guess for me, I'll start, is the work deal. So if I'm working a whole lot, then intimacy department can go down. And, and biologically, too, when you're stressed out, guys, you're working really hard, the drive's not as high. And so right. speak to that.
0: Yeah, Oftentimes when Ryan's in his work mode, he has a hard time unwinding. He's not engaged. He's busy, preoccupied, that kind of thing. And for me, um, you know, some of the priorities I might struggle with is the kids or just busyness. I'm just too busy and I'm not prioritizing the physical relationship. But in, in terms of kids, you know, when you have toddlers, it's physically exhausting. It takes a lot of work. And uh, they wear you out. And so at the end of the day, you're exhausted. You don't have as much energy. Well, now here we are. We have teenagers. And with teenagers, it's like there's no privacy. They rummage through your drawers. They know what's in there. They know what happens behind closed doors. And they
1: ask too many questions.
0: Yeah. It's like we have to outsmart our kids at this point.
1: I'm like, you're on a need-to-know basis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's a challenge, for sure. So children,
1: and then Mm -hmm. there's also misconceptions. So, you know, like when I went into the marriage, Mm -hmm. I thought that Leslie and I were totally on the same page in all sorts of arenas. And so, you know, and it just wasn't the case. And so I had this misconception, like, and I know so many young married couples that do. They're like, man, we're going to get together all the time, every day, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, have you talked to your, you know, your fiance? Uh, no, but I know she's like that. I'm like, no, no, you need to talk, bud.
0: Yeah, that was a big misconception for us. We both thought we would have the same drive and level of passion, um, and that's not the case, you know? And and
1: I would be able to read and interpret spouse language. (laughs) Right, right.
0: I definitely didn't think the sex life was going to be the challenging part of marriage, but, you know, I, I have to admit that there have been times where I pretended like I was asleep.
1: Yeah, that video really hit home for me. I was right. like, oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I can remember Sam and Riley were three. We have twins. They were going different directions. I really was exhausted at the end of the day. We'd get the kids to bed, and I would look forward to just sitting on the couch and snuggling with Ryan. But for him, snuggling always meant something else was going to happen. I thought
1: we were moving to the next level. Uh, I thought it was first base or something, right. you know?
0: And I really just wanted to str- snuggle with no strings attached.
1: So I've learned to cuddle. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. So it, some of it could be misinformation too. You know, maybe, maybe you were never taught, according to the Bible, God's designed for sexual intimacy. Read the Song of Songs. You'll be blown away. Uh, look, at, look at the Proverbs. Look at, look at a number of different uh, examples within the Scripture. God didn't give us an entire book in the Bible for us to be ignorant about it and not, not to engage about it. Um, there's also physical issues, can also be a barrier to sexual intimacy. Some, you know, For many, uh, there can be a physical uh, challenge, and it literally, it kind of cuts that out of the picture for a period of time. And that, that can be a challenge. You can still have a great marriage, but there's, it reveals that there's a, there's a challenge there, and you've got to communicate and work through that. Additionally, there could also be a past sexual history. This is where it's challenging. You know, I've, I've met with couples before, and there, there is no romance in the marriage department. And, the, and why? Because somebody was unfaithful. And in that regard, you just got to accept reality. Uh, when you've broken trust and violated uh, uh, God's decree and God's command for faithfulness, then it can be really incredibly painful, Issues like pornography as well. I found out 38% of uh, people think that pornography is okay for marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even some couples bring in pornography into the the room to, say, spice up the the experience. And that's just not biblical at all. You're inviting somebody else into the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pornography can be a huge setback struggle for uh, men in particular. And my challenge to you is there's a resource called Setting Captives Free. And it's an online program to help you get clean and clear. Here's the deal. God wants you to have all your passion and love and connection to your spouse alone. Nobody else. And so these can be huge challenges. If sex isn't happening, it could be for a number of reasons. It could also be because of there's been abuse. If there was abuse in your past, you've got to go really slow. Get help. Never force anything. Go to a counselor. But there's also could be potentially another challenge and this is one that we've talked about before with ladies before uh, is this idea of romantic fantasies, kind of false expectations. Why don't you Mm -hmm. speak into that?
0: Yeah, there have been times where I fall into that. Maybe it's a book I'm reading or movies I've seen or music I'm listening to and I kind of get this fairy tale mindset and then I have these unrealistic expectations and I'm comparing Ryan and then I find myself discontent. That like, can be Like, a like the notebook
1: set me back for a good, a good month or two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't watch that. It's Hollywood, okay? <laughs>
0: That's based on I'm a I'm not story. that creative.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it, I mean, but the, the romantic fantasies is a real deal. Uh, thirdly, sex and marriage can be enhanced by understanding differences. Uh, you've heard it said uh, uh, Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. There's just differences. And let me just speak to the culture for a moment. I'm frustrated, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm perhaps angry at what's going on in culture is because we've taken what's beautiful about my sweet bride, Leslie, made in the image of God, deserving dignity, value, and worth, in very different than me. And we're trying to make male and female completely the same what I would say is that you are threatening biblically and theologically the doctrine called the Amago Day. It's made in the image of God. It's beautifully diverse and there's incredible unity in the two. And so these differences in our culture, we've kind of pushed them aside and we, hey, we got unisex bathrooms. Hey, men and women are kind of all the same. I mean, I'm not talking about equal value. Everybody gets equal value, but we're all very, very different men and women. And this can be a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. so men are tend to be more compartmentalized they're on your program you can see that men tend to be more compartmentalized I mean for me I can have a hard day at work and then transition home and I'm ready to connect with my spouse Uh, you've heard it said men are like microwaves and women are like crock pots they go slow it takes long so there's a lot there Compartmentalization and more holistic.
0: Yeah, holistic. So everything's emotional, relational, physical. It's all connected. So for me, if there's any conflict or irritation between us, I can't fake it. I can't connect physically if I'm not good. Pause
1: real quick. I don't fake anything, though, <laughs> just for clarity. Right, right. I'm not faking nothing. <laughs> but right. okay, so yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, Yeah. Ahead.
0: So I just... To me, it's like we just have to work it out. We have to talk. Well, I can't move forward till we resolve this issue. Now, in the early years, there were I would isolate, withdraw, and withhold sexual intimacy. But I realized that's sin, and I don't want to do that. And so the option is deal with it and talk about it.
1: Well, and it's respecting the differences. So yeah. if the kids are in the background, I mean, the house could be burning down, and if I've got the door closed, I'm focused. You yeah. know let it burn down, baby. We're good. You know, uh, the dishes aren't done. If the chores aren't done, like she's distracted. I'm like, focus. (laughs) Like, you know, the door is shut, you know? So I'm like, figure out, I'm gonna get loud speakers in the room. Do something. We got 14 year olds now. So this is challenging. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Little inspector gadgets and it's not good. So so, I don't, I've lost my train of thought. So, body, body center. Yeah, sorry. So,
0: when it comes to stimulation.
1: So, yeah, when it comes to stimulation, men tend to be more visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, women tend to be more relational. So, study, guys. Learn the differences. This will really help you. So, for me, I was always, I never voiced it because you don't know how much to bring up, you know, and when you first get married. So, it took me about 10 years before I just addressed the goofy t-shirt. She literally, she's permission to say this. Yeah. She literally wore this goofy T-shirt and she had it for like 10 years. And the collar got like, like rotted out, you know? And she would always tell me, it's so comfy. It's so comfy. And I'm like, but it is so ugly. (laughs) And I swear, I started hiding that thing and she would find it. And she'd be like, there. And I'm like, dang
0: it. And then one day he came up with a really great solution. Let's go shopping.
1: Yeah, I learned that in a book.
0: So we went shopping together and I found some PJs that I thought were appropriate enough to wear in front of the kids. Really cute. But he thought were attractive. Yeah, so, so we
1: do that now. We go shopping.
0: Yeah. So it works. It's, it's, Now, and don't get me wrong. I think physical appearance is important. Like I want Ryan to be in shape. I like a clean shave. Yeah. But when it comes to attraction, what really I'm, what I'm really attracted to is his character. When he's engaged with me, when he's engaged with the kids, when he's kind and loving and patient and understanding, that's what stimulates me.
1: Yeah, and so you know that's why you might have heard it said before. But you know if you, uh, sex really begins in the kitchen. So if you men, if you begin to just do the chores of the household, take care of the needs, really show her your love then it fills up with this invisible thing that I didn't know about called the love tank. And that thing, <laughs> it gets filled up over time. And the good news is, is there is a tank and it needs to be filled, but you've got to study your spouse to figure out how to fill that thing. Right. And so I've learned how to fill the love tank.
0: Yeah, the so. love tank. For me, it's love languages. It's physical. Well, it's, uh, where's the affirmation? It is physical touch quality time like time together is important and then yeah acts the service like help me around the house yeah, there's and, a
1: lot of things in there though yeah
0: you know? it's holistic it's a whole that's like approach. a crock
1: pot man there's a lot of things in there that's what i saying men are like microwaves it's just like I and I like I've been doing this my whole life on microwaves I walk up I put whatever I got and I just go one two three start one two three start and that's it
0: yeah, that about sums it up.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and for me, like when if if the dishes are dirty, I just can't move on but to see Ryan yeah. doing the dishes, that gets my motor running. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Take notes, gentlemen, take notes. So uh the others are just respect and love and we're not gonna jump into this with great detail, but mm-hmm. the apostle Paul lays yeah. this out is is the importance of that. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, if Leslie, uh, needs to feel loved. And so I demonstrate love, I think all the time, like I'm like in training all the time. I'm like, okay, I got to love her, show my love, sound loving, look loving, smell loving (laughs) do whatever I can, because I do really want to show my love to her. And for you, it's showing me respect. Yeah. And I get to say, when she says something, I'm like, that didn't come across very respectful. And then she can hold her hand up, wave the flag and go, "Hey, Hey, time out. That didn't sound very loving. So I'm like, all right, we're good. You want to speak to that?
0: That's good. I think you covered it.
1: Okay. (laughs) Acyclical and cyclical, the response. So I've kind of said a bunch about that, but why don't you speak into that?
0: Okay. So cyclical, yes. Life revolves around the calendar cycle. And, you know, like sometimes during the month, there's just higher drive and passion and desire. And so you got to capitalize on that. And then, you know, the the rest of the time, I pretty much am committed to serving Ryan. So I want to meet his needs, and I'm the only one who can meet that intimate need. I mean, we could take our clothes to the dry cleaners, hire a cleaning lady, get takeout, get childcare, but nobody can meet your spouse's physical, intimate need besides you. So my goal is to always say yes to Ryan.
1: Which is like, bingo, baby, yeah!
0: And knowing he's That's not awesome. going to take advantage, you know, right. but we have real needs. And I want to pr- help protect him from sexual temptation. And it does deepen our oneness and our intimacy. Yeah. And, you know, so like there's maintenance that has to happen. And then there's magic.
1: Yeah, And so it's real important, though, is, guys, is that, first of all, all this is premised in is that the husband is not some domineer dork. He's a loving leader, and he's going to love his spouse like Jesus loves the church. And how did Jesus do that? He died for the church. So I I can't navigate this thing well unless I'm seriously, continu- continuously working hard to show my love. So there's no domineering. There's no power plays. That, that can't happen. Mm-hmm. But it's just this mutual commitment to the big old Bible that we come to. And we say, this is our authority. We live underneath it, not above it. So for me, it's the, it's the uh, reality is men are typically more acyclical. They're just on all the time. So, I mean, it makes it easy in some regards and so for me, though, the reality is, is that I have I've had to learn to realize when I understand the differences with Leslie is that there is a rhythm to the marital intimacy and therefore magical moments don't happen all the time.
0: They happen, just not all the time.
1: And I'm cool with that now. Yeah. But I, at first I wasn't because I, I believed the lie in Hollywood that it's always magical. Right. Total dumb misconception. hmm so you got to realize the maintenance and the magic. Number four, uh, satisfying sex life is built upon a few different things. Companionship. Uh, you got to have a friend. Leslie and I like to say we want to be face-to-face in our marriage. So we look at each other. We love each other. We communicate together. We're friends. We're buddies. If there's ever a problem, we just go time out. We're on the same team. We love each other. We're friends. We don't want a shoulder-to-shoulder marriage where we just work and we just work get it done. And we don't want a back-to-back marriage where we're always in conflict. We want to be face-to-face. Companionship. There's a couple of ingredients in there that are important. What would you speak into that about?
0: Yeah, and again, this is like that holistic approach. Um, communication, being able to talk. You know, I mean, we've got to talk about family business. The kids need this. The house needs this. But then we also need time just to have heart-to-heart and share uh, what's on our heart. And then quality time. Quality time is important. Um, One of our favorite things to do is we call it fun Fridays. Ryan's off on Fridays. The kids are in school. And so that's kind of our date day where we go hiking or mountain biking and just have fun together. And so that's a priority.
1: Yeah. And so listen, when companionship is lacking, then sexual intimacy kind of loses its depth. Mm -hmm. I'll say that again. When companionship is lacking, then sexual intimacy kind of loses the depth of it. But out of that companionship, friendship, there's a wonderful, uh, awesome, uh, uh, joyful uh, marriage. I'm in my best place when we're building the friendship. I love that part. I love to have fun. But it's also commitment. Commitment is important. So we don't say the D word. We don't say divorce in our household. Um, We express what, what Jesus expressed, never to leave us, never to forsake us. So faithfulness is you got to regularly affirm your commitment, build or rebuild the trust for love for one another. When we're not on the same page, we'll just say, hey, time out. We're on the same team. We're not enemies. We're on the same team. Um, But also there's there's forgiveness. Why don't you speak into the importance of forgiveness in the commitment to marriage? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, forgiveness is really important. Like I said, I can't move forward if there's conflict. So we have to work it out and find forgiveness. And, you know, it's... Extending forgiveness and receiving forgiveness—it goes both ways.
1: And not too long ago, we had yeah. our little tri- our, our little experience on forgiveness. That was yeah. Fine. I
0: think it was Friday night. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: We Just were always out to works dinner. like that. Yeah. At the end of the dinner, I said, "Well, you know, I got to tell you something. I'm gonna need some forgiveness."
1: Yeah, and so it's funny. She waits till after the dinner on the date, and then she says, "I'm gonna need some forgiveness." So I'm like, "Huh? Like, what's what's up?" And then so. It's not that big a deal, but it was, it, was, it, was, it was a violation of the plan. So we had set out on a budget. We were going to do this or that. And then she, she says that she's going to need some, some, some new sunglasses for the road trip we're taking.
0: Well, you know, I was like, it's kind of a medical
1: expense
0: because they're polarized lens and my eyes are bad.
1: She had to slip that part in there as a medical expense. Yeah. I was like, oh, that just found a happy home in the budget. Oh, the medical Uh but, but he
0: forgave me. Yeah, and
1: the reality is, is you just gotta move on. You gotta keep short accounts. You yeah. can really hi- uh, uh, hijack a marriage without without being forgiving. Forgiving is living. It's fun to extend grace when you're when you start growing in your your gospel love. Your connection and love for your spouse, because Mm -hmm. that's what gets the marriage moving, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. so
0: Yeah, and the commitment, you know, we're kind of actually going through a stressful time right now because my grandmother passed away in May, my dad passed away in June, and um, I've been mourning and grieving that, and, um, you know, there's been a little bit of conflict and tension because uh, there's so much going on, and You know, I felt like at one point Ryan didn't really understand as much because he hasn't been through that yet.
1: And I was being insensitive. And so, I mean, it's a real deal, you know. And she says to me one day, it was just, it broke my heart. She like puts down the dish towel or whatever we're in the kitchen and she just says, you don't understand what it's like to be me right now. And I just felt heartbroken because I thought, you know what? And I haven't even tried enough. And so I said, went to her, it took me about a day or two and I, cause I knew I just really needed to calculate my apology and ask for forgiveness. And I said, look, I'm really sorry for not being as engaged in this time with you. Mm-hmm. I want to be, you know, and she granted forgiveness. That's what keeps the marriage moving, mm-hmm. you know, cause we're all a bunch of people that, that sin against each other, sin against God. And what keeps it moving is love, grace, and forgiveness.
0: Yeah. And leaning in, in the
1: hard times. So a couple other things is the idea of passion. So in passion, there needs to be this uh, planning to make, try to make it magical. Be creative. Mm-hmm. There's, you can, you can, there's a great book by Linda Dillow. Uh, guys, you might want to write this down. It changed the way we, we approached uh, intimacy in the marriage. It's deeply biblical. Uh, great folks out of Dallas Theological Seminary Linda and Joseph Dillo wrote a lot on the area of intimacy and in marriage it's called intimate issues mm-hmm.
0: yeah and planning as far as planning goes i mean we talk and plan around frequency that's important for us so we we plan that self care i think it's important to plan self care buy you some lingerie go to the gym if that makes you feel better about yourself maybe take a nap so you're rested you know you got Or gotta... just
1: eat a brownie <laughs> That's what I do. No, I'm joking. No, I I do run and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm working on it. I'm on the Nacho Libre diet. You're good, though. You're doing great. right. (laughs) I'm proud of her. It's awesome. Uh, Last one is spiritual intimacy. And that just means, man, this is where it connects. The two become one. Just growing in your love for Jesus together getting in God's word together, serving in the church together, um, going on a mission trip, joining a neighborhood group together. And not everybody can experience this. You know, it's hard. You got a spouse that's not a Christian or whatever, um, but this is something you can compensate and grow in all the other areas. But this may be one that you, 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 you is a challenge for you. But why don't you speak about how that's deepened our marriage over the years?
0: Yeah, spirit, you know, there's so much to work on when it comes to marriage. I mean, you just listed off a list right there. So, you know, it takes work, and you—it's a process of growth and deepening in your marriage. And so, when we were newlyweds, our goal was let's just do date night every week and get that down. Let's do. Let's focus on that and make that a priority. And now, years later into our marriage, we are able to do devotionals together. And that was something that we grew in. And it's really rewarding and praying for each other. That's Our devotionals in the morning, we sit on our front porch in our rocking chairs and drink our coffee. And it's our favorite part of the day.
1: Yeah, we act old. It's really cool. Yeah. Our neighbors walk by, and they are like, are you, like, from Arkansas? Where are you from? <laughs> uh, we bought the, the rocking chairs at Cracker Barrel, uh-huh. and, and we were worried they were going to get stolen, and I'm like, don't worry, baby, I got a shotgun. Uh, no, we do have a dog, though, a nice dog, and so we're good. But the, the rocking chair has never been stolen, but the best thing apart is like, about, is, like, I'll ask her, I'll say, hey, sweetie, I'll grab her hand. This is so easy, guys. You can do this, but it's so, heart, like, nerve-wracking at the beginning. You grab her hand, and she like, no not know if you're serious or not in the beginning, but you just say something like this. Hey, sweetie, how can I be praying for you? And then she'll tell me, well, you can pray for me with this. I got a stressful situation coming up. I got this going on. I'm mourning my dad. I, I need help and guidance for that. And I just pause right there, and I just say, okay, dear Lord, I thank you for my bride. I love her so much. I do pray for your help and assistance in navigating all the challenges with the stuff that we're going through, and then be specific. And they just say, amen. Then she says to me, hey, sweetie, how can I be praying for you? And I just tell her, pray for my work situation, this new job, this new position, this new this or that. And she does. And then I walk out of there. I'm telling you, for me, I walk out of there, I feel like Superman. I feel like I'm strong. I feel like I'm in a good place with my bride. And things are just go better when we're doing that. You've heard it said the, the couple that prays together, what? Stays, Stays together. And let me just tell you, fake news. You hear in research today, you Google Christian marriages, and a lot of times you'll see that there's no difference between Christians and non-Christians when it comes to marital faithfulness. That's fake news. That's a lie. If you are a Christian, born-again Christian, you're living for Jesus, reading God's Word, you're anchored into a Christian community, you are 10 times more likely to succeed and have a long, faithful, fulfilling marriage relationship that news just doesn't get out there. There is research that does show that that is absolutely true. So the married couple that prays together stays together. That is true. So anything in closing? Thank you so much.
0: No problem.
1: All right. You guys give her a big round of applause. She's awesome. All right. sweetie. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray, God, for however this message landed. We pray for the Holy Spirit to help, to heal to restore, to guide. And Lord, I pray today that we would just celebrate and be thankful for the gift of intimacy within a married relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community
0: Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.